you can earn in a big way. You can call in big dollars. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can shed the old skin and put on a new skin and believe that everything is working out for you, including the financials in your business. The lie is the things that keep us small, the things that keep us really flying under the radar and that keeps us really dim. So there is a big component there around identifying the lie so that you can step into this new version of you. Today, I'm talking nerdy with Ruby Lee about money mindset, how misbeliefs around money inhibit our earning potential, how to overcome fear and up-leveling your income, and the work that we both did to create relationships with money that are peaceful rather than emotionally triggering and stressful. Ruby Lee is a motivational speaker, wealth activator, and business coach. Her mission is to help women in business create massive intergenerational wealth and to live the abundant lives that they desire. Ruby and I met a few years ago in a business mastermind facilitated by our mutual coach and friend, Scott Oldford. Every conversation that I've had with Ruby since has felt so expansive and joyful, but this one was especially so much fun. Before you dive into this episode, I would love if you could hit pause and leave us a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. Welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me, Ruby Lee. I'm so excited to have you on here. Our relationships with money are all pervasive. I'm firmly of the belief that our neural pathways that are associated with money are connected to the parts of our brain that are responsible for identity, our sense of self, our ego, our relationship with others, our perception of the world, our limbic system, our emotional circuitry. Money is so complex and permeates almost every facet of our lives. And I know that in your community, big dollar energy, BDE, is something that is very well talked about. And I think for a lot of the rest of the world, there's a lot of shame and secrecy and avoidance around even having conversations around money. So I'm really excited to have you on Talk Nerdy to Me and to be sharing all about BDE, big dollar energy with listeners. Welcome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am so, so ready to have this conversation It is one of my favorite topics to talk about, and we can go into it for sure. The reason why I love it so much is because I've personally been through so much with money and such a relationship, you know, up and down with money that it's brought me to a place now where I feel really in such a great place with it. And it's part of my mission. It's part of my purpose to help more entrepreneurs, especially be in a place where money and business and desires and dreams just coexist in the most peaceful and fulfilling way. And I'm really ready to share so much more with all of you on the podcast today. Amazing. So I guess your personal journey would be an amazing place to begin. Was there a defining moment for you where you knew that you had to start doing your deeper work on relationship with money? Was there any sort of rock bottom moment or any line in the sand that you drew where you decided, 
I can't keep doing what I've been doing. Things have to change. I would say so five years ago, I decided to go all in and start my business. Up to this point, I was working in corporate Australia and climbing the corporate ladder and working myself into leadership positions. But there was something about that life that wasn't calling to me anymore. And I wanted more. And a big defining moment for me was actually going to Bali, which, you know, it is such a beautiful place in the world, as you would know, Alex, to really reconnect with what it is that you want to do in this lifetime. So me and the family went to Bali and we, I call it the act as if holiday that we took. So I packed up my two boys. I've got two sons, my husband, we took our laptops and we started building this business with the intention of it being a freedom-based business where we could travel the world and take the kids everywhere and build an abundant lifestyle. But there was something on that trip that felt like a block and it felt impossible and it felt like such a big leap to get from where I was at to where I wanted to get to. You know, we're all so familiar with that feeling of, I want that thing, but how, how do I get there? And a lot of the how had to do with money and financial freedom and having that liquidity of cash flow to make choices which would allow us to have this lifestyle. So I wouldn't say it was a rock bottom moment, but it was a really, really interesting moment where I was holding up the mirror a lot to where I was in my life and my relationship with money and understanding that money got to be almost just this entity in our lives where it was endless. There was an endless supply of it where it would always replenish, that there would always be more than enough of it to have what we want. But that's just not where I was at in that particular moment of time because I was so used to having paychecks coming in monthly and living a life where I had to work really hard to receive a lot of money. So there were a lot of those stories in there as well. So that's that was really the beginning point. And then once I started digging deeper into it, man, did a lot of things come up, you know, with father wounds and mother wounds and generational wounds and you know, we could really go so deep with that side of things. But I'd say that was the moment where I realized I had a lot of work to do with my relationship with money and rewiring the way I communicated to money. Thank you so much for sharing that. So where did you begin in terms of the practices and tools that you needed to learn and execute in order to start doing that rewiring and making those changes? Mm. That's such a good question. So the the place I began, I don't know how this person came into my life, but isn't that always the way? This beautiful spiritual healer showed up on my Instagram feed. And these were the days where Instagram would throw up people you actually really wanted to follow. <laughs> so I, you know, I started following, her name was Lindsay. I started following Lindsay And she was based in Chicago all the way on the other side of the globe. And I must have reached out to her and said, do you know what? I want to do work with you. I don't know what it is exactly that we need to do together, but I just feel like I need to hire you as my spiritual guide. And there's definitely a lot of work to do with money and abundance and a lot of anger that I'm holding around the energy of money. 
Now, the anger came from my relationship I have with money because I grew up in a household where my father had a terrible, terrible relationship with money. He was very, you know, active gambler and, you know, had moments where we had to move out of our home, we had to sell the car, and there was just this real up-down energy with cash flow in our life. And I didn't realize at the time, but I had held a lot of anger towards that and having to grow up in that environment. So I knew that hiring the spiritual coach, it would help unlock something, but I didn't know what exactly. And I spent six months working on the energetic blocks around that and forgiveness and coming to terms with my own narrative and my own story and what I was in control of and what I wasn't in control of and really helping me step into a place of neutral, calm, peaceful energy with money. And in many ways, this is the place to begin. If you are constantly feeling like you're wrestling with not having enough money or wanting more and it's not showing up, the energy isn't to change it up so much that suddenly you're abundant and you have millions of dollars flowing in. Most times, the first step is to get into a neutral space with it. And that was one of my biggest takeaways working with my spiritual mentor on that, of getting neutral, getting calm. It's not good or bad. It's not working against you. And it's not necessarily working for you. It just is. And from that blank slate energy, you can do a lot with it. So that, I would say, was my first step. Amazing. I can resonate with that so, so much because there have definitely been a few times in my adult life where I've gotten myself into credit card debt. And after the first time around, I was in so much debt that I made the the decision that I would never, ever go into debt ever again. And to me, the idea of going into further debt was the most stressful thing in the universe. And I also got to a point in my business where what I was doing wasn't working. I was meeting my monthly living expenses. You know, I had all of my basic needs covered and I wasn't growing in the way that I wanted to. And I found a coach that I wanted to hire specifically for the things that weren't working in my business and hiring her meant putting it on a credit card and getting myself into further debt. And one of the practices that she guided me through in making that investment in myself again was each time I would open up my credit card statement, each time I would look at my bank account to move through a self-forgiveness practice for the perceived success that I had not yet achieved that led me to getting into temporary debt in order to grow in the ways that I wanted to grow and coming into a state of gratitude for debt as a resource and in doing so, in looking every single day and not being avoidant in my relationship with money and my relationship with my bank account, come to a state of neutrality so that my nervous system didn't have that dysregulated freak out when I was looking at my bank statements and my credit card statements. And I was able to make that money back in about six weeks of working with her, which I feel so, so grateful for. And for me, what was even more powerful than the ability to make that money back 
was the ability to see that we can change our relationship with anything. You know, I'm still not a huge advocate for debt, but we can literally learn to rewire and neutralize our triggers around anything that's perceived as stressful. And then from there, enhance it and make it better and better and better. So after you got to this state of neutrality, what happened next? How did you go from that to wealth consciousness? Yes. But firstly, I want to say that is such an incredible, expansive share that you've just told us about your relationship with debt. I can relate to that so much also. And there's definitely been a lot of layers in that space and realizing that debt really is, if you're in a good relationship with it, it really can sometimes be, you know, that door that you walk through, which allows you a better life. If you're coming from a place of knowing exactly what it is your intention is with that debt and knowing that this is the goal, this is what I'm choosing to do, paying it off in this amount of time, calling in that amount of money and being really, really intentional with it. So I like to call it intentional debt in my world. It serves every time. So coming back to your question, the second thing I did from there and I sat in this neutral energy because it's a practice. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden... I worked with this coach for six months and, oh, everything was neutral. It was a practice. It was like when you go to a personal trainer, you know, you still have to work out on your own and practice that that muscle group. And that's what it felt like to me as practicing neutrality. So for the the better part of about 12 months, I was definitely being tested. You know, there were moments where I fell back into that space of feeling out of control with my relationship with money and all of these things. But it brought me back to a place where I now knew I was ready to challenge myself into the next phase. So at this point of my journey, I wanted to practice what it would feel like to be in financial overflow. And this is very new. At this point, I was always making enough to cover my lifestyle, which I will say is already, it was already great. You know, I had a house and I could go on date nights and take small trips. So it wasn't like I was not living a good life. I already was, but there was a moment, a flicker that came to me and I'm pretty sure it came to me in a dream or maybe when I'm journaling, that's when I access a lot from my subconscious where I could almost see another version of my life. And I was reminded of that trip that we took to Bali all those years ago and the intention behind starting a business that was freedom-based. And me and my husband, we were already talking at this point about selling our primary home and traveling the world and putting whatever excess we had into like a managed fund that would pay us a monthly income alongside whatever we earned in the business. But it was scary because nobody in our world had done this. No one in our friendship group had become digital nomads with two small children, starting an online business. And we're talking 2018 when things are still relatively new with the online coaching business world, which is you know the industry that I'm in. And so I went searching again. And I'm so grateful to I'll say my highest self who always guides us. Our highest selves always guide us to the right people, the right, you know, resources to help us level up when we're ready. So I then came across 
Oh, our beautiful mutual friend coach, Scott. And Scott and I started working together to build up the business. And this is also where I met you, Alex. So in this beautiful period of time, I was put in touch with a hypnotherapy company. And Scott had relationships with this company and he said, hey, you should just reach out to these people and see how you go and talk to them about what's going on in your mindset. And at this point, I reached out to the company and I was set up. It was totally random, but I was set up with a hypnotherapist that was able to serve my time zone. And I met my hypnotherapist who I worked with for three whole months. We must have had about 12 sessions together. And one session led on to another, and it was the first time I'd ever done hypnotherapy. First time I'd ever worked with this subconscious mind, first time I'd ever. Prior to this, I was really scared of hypnotherapy because I guess (laughs) the thing you think about is you're going to cluck around the room like a chicken or whatever it is, right? Like, you know, crazy things like that. But it was so supportive, and it was really a form of talk therapy through the subconscious. And I, discovered so much in there, Alex. You know, I was like swimming in this subconscious world that I haven't, at that point, I hadn't accessed before. And I was seeing things like I was swimming through an ocean of emeralds and I would come up on the sand and the sand was golden. And as I looked up, I saw trees like palm trees, but the trees were made out of money And this is just all as I'm in this subconscious state. And my hypnotherapist was saying, what are you seeing? And what does that represent to you? And how do you feel? And it was just this connection between subconscious and reality. And that that work was unbelievable. So then came that second stage where I started to really activate this reality where money was ever replenishing that there was always more and more of it. Literally in my subconscious, my belief was money did grow on trees. So I find that hilarious given that when I was growing up, all I was taught was money isn't growing on trees. So, you know, you're going to have to work really hard for it. And yet somewhere in this beautiful subconscious space, I saw emerald seas and money trees. I wrote an entire journal entry about it. And that was really the beginning stages of almost living, I'll call it like delusional, I air quote that, delusional life and belief system where everything was working out for me. At the beginning, I didn't fully quite believe it, but that's why I sort of call it delusional, but I almost had to trick this version of me to believe that. And I am such a big believer in positive psychology and positive affirmations. I'm definitely of that camp. And every day I would say my affirmations, I would do my mirror work and I would do these sessions and journal my soul out inside of these journaling sessions and really see my reality shift and change because it did. It shifted and it changed and it did it in such quick succession. Like so much happened from there, Alex. Money was flowing through the doors. Clients were lining up. My wait lists were filled. I had more money than I knew what to do with. Literally for the first time, me and my husband were sitting down just going, we need to start this other account. We This account, we, we've overfilled it. Let's put it towards this. And then that overfilled, let's buy this. And we were able to buy that. 
let's go on our world trip, which we did without ever having to go into debt, like zero credit card, like no debt at all. Life changed in that 18 months for me deciding I was going to explore what it would feel like to be in overflow. What you shared that struck my heart the most is when you said that you had to start subscribing to beliefs that were somewhat delusional because they weren't yet a reflection of the reality that presently existed. And from a neuroscientific perspective, what we know is that above all else, our brains really like to be right about what they believe to be true. And we have these amazing cognitive biases in place that can either work for us or against us. And one of those is called perceptual confirmation, whereby when we have a belief that we uphold to be true, our brains will literally only show us information that affirms that belief. So if, for example, somebody has a belief that rich people are evil, that wealthy people are evil, their brains will selectively attend to information that only affirms that belief. And the other cognitive bias that I think is important to acknowledge here is called behavioral confirmation, where when we have a belief system that we uphold to be true, we will subconsciously and unconsciously behave in ways almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that generate more and more of that. When we can subscribe to beliefs that are not yet a reflection of this reality, our brains begin to change in ways that perceive more and more of those beliefs and affirm them and enable us to subconsciously and unconsciously participate in behaviors that allow us to physically go about and create what we want. And some of what you shared had this air of easefulness to it. After you did the dirty work of like looking at your subconscious mind and like exercising what didn't work for you there, you started generating income from a place of abundance and overflow so much so that you didn't even know what to do with it. And I'm sure that there were actually like action steps that you were taking that led to those physical results. And it has to start with mindset and belief. So I'm super curious, you know, when you're bringing new people into your coaching practice or into your programs, are there some common misbeliefs that people have around money that you can identify or just in the general population in general that are really unhelpful? Mm. Well, the biggest one has to be, I call it the checklist treadmill, never ending to-do lists, which creates some level of action and work, but that action and work doesn't actually contribute to calling in big dollar energy, or that action and work doesn't actually move the needle towards more of what you want. But there's this belief system where it's like, if I have a list it gets me further and it takes me to where I want to go. And by the time they land inside of my coaching space, that's almost always the first thing I'll ask. What's on your list? Show me what you're doing day to day. What are your activities that's leading you towards more of what you want? And most of my clients come to me with some form of a financial goal that they want to reach. That's how I coach. I really love coaching to tangible money goals and helping them break it down and, you know, work out what needs to be done and what no longer needs to be in their world. 
So it's so funny though, because once we start looking at that list, almost 95% of it isn't actually moving them towards that goal whatsoever. And then from there, we start looking at, okay, let's rearrange some things. And most times on that list is really common. None of the energetic work is actually on that list, right? It's like kind of, you just do it whenever you can fit it in, or maybe you try something out for a little bit and then it just doesn't work anymore and it drops off the, you know, the the subconscious list. So I will always say when it comes to actually rewiring your practice and wanting to change up your world and wanting to make those 1% shifts like James Clear talks about, put that down on a list that you know would almost serve your energy and your soul first rather than leading with the things that you think the business needs to operate. I'll give you an example. What goes on my list day to day, it's very short. The list goes, wake up in the morning and do some form of clearing or a practice because so much happens when you sleep. So much happens when you dream. There's something to be said about waking up in the morning and clearing your energy. It doesn't need to be a really big, long practice by any means, but it could literally be one paragraph in your journal, breath work. Alex, you taught me breath work and I will forever be so grateful to you. I still do the breath work practices that you taught us. Like it was just, it's amazing. Like the ones that actually stuck with me. I just love that. I sit in my bed, I sit up nice and tall and I start my day that way. So it doesn't have to be, you know, this crazy elaborate 5am club thing. It can just be one thing you do. And then from there, every day, one of the first things I'll do in my business is sell. In some form, I wake up and I show up on my Instagram stories, which is where I mostly sell. And I talk to my community. I'm not like selling them in some really regimented way. I'm literally just saying, hey guys, how's things going? This is what I did this morning. By the way, if you're wanting to work with me, this is how you can do that in one way or another. Or I'll send out an email or I'll post my podcast or I'll do a live stream. All of these things come under the banner of putting myself out there and telling the world that I'm open for business, that I'm ready you know, to to be seen, I'm ready to be found. And then the rest of my day is about digging into what it is the business needs. So I hope that serves in some way, but that is truly in the most simplistic and concise way I can describe that is these habits, they haven't been broken for the five years I've been in business. And no matter how I'm feeling, that's the daily discipline behind big dollar energy. I want to kind of go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here or like pivot ever so slightly because there's something that you shared that I think is going to be really, really helpful for any entrepreneur who is listening to this podcast, which is that in order to be successful in the entrepreneurial space, we have to be seen and we have to be visible. And a lot of individuals have a conditioned response to visibility where if we're visible, if we're seen, we're unsafe, right? Like a lot of people have learned through childhood experiences that the more we can hide, the less people see us. 
the safer and safer we are. And I love that that's a part of your daily practice because I think that for so many people in the beginning of building their businesses, especially in the online space where it's a service-based business, like what you and I are doing in the coaching space where it's like, it's us, like people are wanting to work with us. It's not necessarily a product as much as our knowledge and our wisdom and our expertise. And they have to see us and they have to know us and there has to be a level of intimacy there. And that can be really challenging for folks in the beginning when they've learned that being seen is being unsafe. And I think it requires a tremendous amount of courage and vulnerability in order to show up and let yourself be seen. And I love that it's such a part of your daily practice because it seems like now it's so easeful for you. And I'm curious if it was in the beginning, if making offers and selling was just as fluid and easy in the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, my goodness. Well, the short answer is it wasn't easy. It wasn't as though it came to me naturally. But I knew that if I didn't do it, if I didn't show up, you know, I always picture in my mind's eye, if I had a physical shop, I would have a sign at the door that said open or closed. Who's going to come around to my shop and turn that sign around to say, open, welcome in. I'm so glad you're here. Take a look around. No one was going to come and do that for me. Not Instagram, not LinkedIn where I started, not a podcast episode. It, It had to come from a place where I was doing it daily to show people that I was ready to answer their questions, ready to serve, ready to help and add value ready to show a certain type of lifestyle, like the way that I led my day, the way that I lived my life is a really big part of why someone would want to choose you over, you know, the tens of thousands of coaches and service providers there are out there now. And so I guess from that place, I knew that I wanted it so much. Like I knew that I really wanted to live this freedom based life. And it was up to me to do it. There was no point feeling sorry for myself for having a small following. There was no point crying the tears that one person trolled me on the internet and feeling ashamed about that. There was no point feeling like I didn't have anything important to say because deep down I knew my intention behind having this business And I knew that I could help people with that. And it just started from that place. So what I did from a very, you know, physical standpoint was I would put this reminder in my calendar every morning at 10 a.m. I had a reminder that said host to LinkedIn. That was where I started my business. LinkedIn was my primary platform and it was post to LinkedIn repeat every day for the first hundred days of my business and seven days a week. And I just said, if I can commit to that, if I can commit to one piece of content, video, whatever it was, I've done my job for the day, like hand on heart. Well done, Ruby. Like you've showed up today and you've shared something. In that 100 days, I made my first hundred thousand dollars in business full-time. That was my first hundred days of 
leaving my job and going all in and purely having one platform, which was LinkedIn, from that place, the daily discipline kicked in. And of course, people started to see more of me. They followed me. There was consistency. I was sharing my journey. All I was doing, by the way, was just documenting my journey and saying, I've left my corporate job. I'm so scared. I've started a business and I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm glad you guys are here and thanks for following. And people became really invested in that. I wasn't selling stuff from the get-go. I was just having some form of creative outlet. And honestly, I was lonely because once you leave your day job, you don't have your corporate friends around and people to talk to. So I was like, I'm just going to talk to you guys and just share some stuff. And then from there, people would say, I love the way that you show up. You're so confident. Can I coach with you on confidence? I'd be like, what? (laughs) Okay, well, we can do a session together. And then I'd have other people ask me, I want to grow on LinkedIn as well. I didn't realize that we could use this platform in this way. Can you show me how you use LinkedIn? And then LinkedIn became a thing for me. And I coached on LinkedIn for a while. And then I would have other people saying, I really want to start a side hustle like you did and eventually go all in. Can I sit down with you and just talk to you about my plans? Can you show me what you did to transition so seamlessly? So do you see what I mean where it wasn't as though I, you know, over strategized the whole thing. The first hundred thousand dollars that came to me came to me because I authentically showed up and shared my story. Full stop. That's it. And I did it daily. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. In terms of the fear piece that you mentioned, going from your corporate job to going all in on your own business, I'm curious if you can speak a little bit more to that because I think that there are going to be a lot of people out there who have big dreams and aspirations for themselves financially in their relationship with money and their relationship with career and purpose. I think that fear gets in the way of a lot of those things. So I guess maybe the next question that I have for you is if you can speak a little bit to what your own relationship with fear has been like throughout this entire process and where you see fear being an obstacle for others. Oh, I love this question. I'll tell you I'll tell you a really funny story. With the fear thing and specifically to do with getting on socials for the first time and For me, it was so much more than just like posting on socials for the first time. It was me cutting the ribbon to a new life. That's how it felt. And so the first time I got on camera and I just, I literally just got my phone out and just said, hi guys, my name's Ruby. Hi. Some of you might know me, some of you might not. Anyway, I just wanted to kickstart this journey and document my transition from side hustle, working full-time to going full-time in my own business, say hi and bye. Like it was so awkward. I had no idea what I was <laughs> but I did it. And I, I mean, like I could have deleted it and done it again and done it again and done it again, but I just left it raw. It was in that moment, that version of me. And I posted it to LinkedIn and I kid you not, I posted it. I threw my phone on the bed ran out the bedroom, shut the bedroom door like it was going to come after me. <laughs> and I ran the sun on the couch and rocked myself. I was like, 
oh my gosh, what have I done? And that was truly the fear. I mean, thinking back to that moment, I'm like, girlfriend, what were you afraid of? Like what, what could have happened? But it was so real. My palms were sweaty. I had no idea how to do breath work at the time. So there was zero coping mechanisms. It was just rocking myself to make sure it was all okay. And then it wasn't, I swear, baby, till the sun had set. I posted it in the afternoon. It was maybe a few hours had gone by. I picked up my phone and I could see all these notifications because I didn't know how to turn notifications off. And it was just, yeah, Ruby, well done or can't wait to follow you on this journey and all these beautiful encouraging sentences just flooded my screen and it was just at that moment where I realized wow we can really overdo the thing that goes on in the mind we can really make it feel like worst case scenario and from that moment I chose to believe that more people wanted to see success than to see failure. More people were excited and wanting to back you or even just think about it. If you see, I don't know, if you watch YouTube, I love my YouTube feed, my algorithm, love it. There's a lot of successful entrepreneurs on my channel. Everyone from Alex Hormozzi to a small business owner. And I love watching success. It's like, yes, And there are people all over the world, complete strangers, who truly want to cheer you on. The ones that don't cheer you on, interestingly enough, are those sometimes closest to you. And that's the fear. I realized that I wasn't afraid of the faceless stranger watching me from Nashville. (laughs) I wasn't afraid of that person. I was afraid of my peers and my colleagues going, oh my God, she's just left. Have you seen her on LinkedIn? Oh my God, how embarrassing. Like I was fearful of that for some reason, that whole pack mentality of being kicked out of the tribe, that was real. And by the way, all my corporate friends did not reach out to me once, once I started my journey. So that was very interesting. And then I was very afraid of friends and family and the judgment. Oh my God, that was real so real. I didn't actually just make that up in my head. I mean, real conversations at holidays, reunions with your friends. It's like, are you really doing this? Or is this actually a real job? You know, how long are you actually going to give this a go for? Isn't it time to just go back and work for somebody else? And all these things. And eventually the fear of that did creep up. And I knew at that point it was up to me to decide where I was going to draw my boundaries because it was affecting the way that I showed up in my business and it was affecting the way that I called in money. And there's a whole other layer there because once I started to grow my business and so much success happened, so for example, that first $100,000 in 100 days, I was speaking to a friend of mine about it and she's like, Ruby, you need to share that. Like That is amazing. That's really going to inspire a lot of people. And I was like, there is no effing way I'm sharing that. Do you know how many people would come for me? You know, no way. And I can't talk about money. Oh my gosh. And plus my background is Asian. Culturally, you do not talk about money. This whole movement around quiet money and quiet luxury, 
I mean, that's just the Asian culture. You'd never talk about it ever. And so, you know, getting this signal from the universe through the form of my friend who said, you need to talk about money. There's not enough of that out there. And oh my gosh, that was like whole new layers of, I felt sick in my gut. I just felt nauseous and I didn't even know how to start the conversation. And I was like, everyone's going to think that I'm just gloating about it. And I would just hate for people to think that, you know, my mum's voice in my head, be humble, be humble, be humble. And eventually I just knew the pull was too strong that I just came out and said, guys, I've had something incredible happen in my business and I really don't want it to come across the wrong way, but I want to share it from a place of inspiration and authenticity. And it's that I've made a lot of money in 100 days, more than my job paid me for the whole year. And I just want to break down exactly how I think this happened for me so that you can do it too. In some way, I'm just, I want to answer all of your questions and I'm very transparent and I just want to share with you what I've done and what I would do again, what I wouldn't do again. And from that place, the fear melted away because one, once again, coming back to that notion of people want to see success, one message after another came in. Thank you for talking about this. Or just thank you for showing us what is possible. And that does something from a scientific perspective as well. It it opens up neural pathways of like, holy crap, if she can do it, I can do it. And I didn't realize I was doing that at the time. But that's also then why my following went from what it was, a small boutique following to on LinkedIn. I had maybe 5,000 followers at the time to now having almost 50,000 followers on LinkedIn. And that just happened because I was sharing stuff about my journey, money, openly talking about it, all of those things. So it's a very long answer, but I hope it serves. It absolutely serves. One of the things that I'm personally so passionate about and such an advocate for is vulnerability and transparency in leadership. And I think that it gives people such a clear indication of what is possible for themselves when it doesn't turn into jealousy. I think when we're in a funky relationship with jealousy, that's the shadow side to it. But if we can do our own work around jealousy and self-comparison, then it's the biggest expansion for what is absolutely possible for us. So I have one final question for you. Can you define BDE for us. What is big dollar energy for you? Oh my gosh, I love it. Do you know I came up with this this name? Big dollar energy is a mini course I do around rewiring yourself for overflowing money and abundance. Basically everything we've talked about on this podcast. And then I was doing up the image in Canva. And you know, when you do it up and it's like I saw the first three letters, I was like that is fantastic. I've accidentally called my course BDE. That is fantastic. And just, yeah, played it all the way up. I mean, when I saw that, I was like, this is no mistake. So Big Dollar Energy is a mini course that I created to help you really step into this reality of 
you can earn in a big way. You can call in big dollars. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can shed the old skin and put on a new skin and believe that everything is working out for you, including the financials in your business. So I really, really start to talk about it from a perspective of how to clean up shop, where are your current belief systems at, how to start selling, how to start pricing. So it's very specific for entrepreneurs who are starting out. But there is one other part inside of BDE that I talk about, and it's called the lie. The lie is low income energy. So the things that keep us small, the things that keep us really flying under the radar and that keeps us really dim. So there is a big component there around identifying the lie so that you can step into this new version of you. That is amazing. So I'll include a link to BDE in the show notes, but for anybody who's wanting to learn more about you or from you, where is the best place for them to begin? Oh, okay. Well, seeing as you're already in podcast land, I have a podcast called Flow State Business and I also hang out on Instagram every day. So underscore Ruby Lee underscore is my handle. I would love to see you there. Any final words of wisdom before we close out for today? You have the power to create worlds. And if what you so desire is backed with authentic connection and intention to just light up this world, you've got no idea what you can create. Honestly, have fun with it. Enjoy, clean up your daily practice, and you'll start to see things shift quicker than you'll realize. You are such a joy to be with. Thank you so much for coming on and talking nerdy to me, Ruby. I love it. I'll talk nerdy to you all day long, Alex. (laughs) If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears of more listeners like you by leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever platform you're listening on. When you share this episode on Instagram and tag me at Alex underscore Nashton for the month of June 2023, you'll be entered into a giveaway for the chance to win a 90-minute long coaching call with me. Each episode that you share and tag me in will lead to one entry, which means that you can share them all. This podcast, baby, is a labor of love for me. I'm not making any money on it. I just want to help get this life-changing and helpful information into as many brains as humanly possible. Last but not least, I want to thank Adam Russell for tirelessly supporting me physically and emotionally in the creation of this podcast. Adam is responsible for stringing together the epic intro and outro music, monitoring the sound quality, and is also the person I've called in the middle of the night, I can't even tell you how many times, when I've been freaking out about this podcast. Adam, you are a lifelong friend and a musical genius. I am so, so grateful to have you in my life, and I love you tremendously.